Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Hotbed. I'm Lisa Williams. And I'm Anakin Sullivan. And we are The Hotbed Collective, talking about... Sex, relationships, pop culture, orgasms, feminism, all the good stuff, basically. Anything I missed off that list? Uh, Donuts. But also, we talk about a lot of really boring, mundane stuff, so I think people tune into the hotbed expecting orgies, and they get mental load, laundry, Tupperware, drawer. Domestic rubbish. But I do think that is the secret to a happy relationship. The more I think about it... The longer we've been doing this podcast and the longer we've been the Hotbed Collective and the more people I talk to, the in our modern world, the couples who are sharing the domestic duties and are mutually supportive of each other's choices mm. are the happy ones, are the mm. happier ones. So I think that if someone is not pulling their weight at home in our busy lives, whether you are, have children or don't, um, it's very, very difficult to come together as a romantic couple because you're always mm. thinking at the back of my head, your head like you, it's, I have now unloaded the dishwasher like all week and you mm. haven't even tried once. There is that funny little thing actually when, um, you know, when you open the dishwasher and it's been on a cycle, there's two, I mean, I don't actually know what's worse, but is it the fact that it's full and nobody's put it on? That's quite bad. Or... It's clean and it's all sitting in there. And clean. I mean, yeah, because yeah. I mean, is it is it worse? Yes, because sometimes it's worse when you haven't got any plates at all, because all of them are in the dishwasher, but it hatchy it hasn't been turned on. My other worst thing is the the cardboard toilet roll is mm. on there, and there is a fresh toilet roll in the bathroom. Mm. But and I have this real sinking realization then because I think. I will always be the only person that does this, always. Because actually Paul's very good with the dishwasher, but with the toilet roll, it, it makes you feel very lonely because you know that basically you will spend the rest of your life always taking the little cardboard thing off, putting it in the bin and putting a fresh toilet roll on there. Um, do you mean the recycling bin? In the recycling bin, yeah. But for me, that that is the loneliest domestic task. The vision of suburban isolation. <laughs> So people tune into the hotbed getting wanting sex and they end up hearing about But it's all related. Us. It is definitely related. It is. And I don't think we're the first people to say it, but um, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. So please message us at the Hotbed Collective on Instagram and tell us about whether you think there's a connection between sharing the mental load 
and your ability to uh, have great sex. Mm, for sure. So do you watch Strictly Come Dancing? Do I watch Strictly Come Dancing? Of course I do. I always watch it. In fact, it's one of the programmes that... That and Bake Off, Strictly, I always watch it. Um, and you know what I love now is Claudia Winkleman and Tess Daly as the, the presenting pair. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them as presenters together. I think if you're a bit sad and you don't go out on a Saturday night, which is me, I can almost live vicariously through these people. So the costumes, the oh. glamour, the makeup, the music. I sort of feel like I'm out, even though... I'm sat on my sofa in my dressing gown. So why are we talking about Strictly? Um, it's because we've got a VIP guest on this episode. We're very excited to be talking to Rebecca Humphreys. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Humphreys is an actress and she took a show to Edinburgh Festival this year. Um, known in the press probably more as the former other half of... Sean Walsh, who is a comedian and was a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing, Mm -hmm. hit the headlines because Sean was photographed after the show snogging his dance partner, Katya. And Rebecca, very interestingly, rather than being the sort of victim, decided to recast herself as a survivor. And she issued a statement through Twitter, which was just brilliant, which essentially said... That night, I was at home, it was my birthday, Sean said he was going for an innocent drink, and then I see these pictures, um, but I'm not a victim, I'm moving on, and by the way, I took the cat. Mm, that's a great line, isn't it? I mean, for us, if, if, you know, we've got two cats, and actually, I would be I would be so gutted if Paul took the cats. Mm. Yeah, it I mean, cuts that would to the be, core. That would be it, really, because they, yeah, they were our first children. Would you stay together for the sake of the cats? Um, I think, yeah. I mean, now, obviously, with, with kids in the equation, it's it's more difficult. So we're really pleased to have Rebecca Humphreys talk to us. Um, she has a bit of a history with the show, so she was already listening to the hotbed before all that stuff happened. And we've been in touch, and that is why she uh, is on our show. So this is our conversation with Rebecca. Hello there. My name is Rebecca Humphreys and I am not a victim. I wasn't sure whether to respond to events from the past week, but I feel the narrative has missed a couple of crucial elements that I would like to clear up. It's incredibly good of Sean, brackets N, and Katya to apologise in the media. I've received nothing other than the support of my family, friends, and a host of strangers on the internet who all wanted to make sure that I was okay. What I have also kindly received are many offers to sell my side of the story, but I would prefer for it to be on my own terms. Those pictures were taken on October 3rd. It was my birthday. I was alone at home when Sean texted at 10pm, saying the two of them were going for one innocent drink. We spoke, and I told him, not for the first time, that his actions over the past three weeks had led me to believe something inappropriate was going on. He aggressively and repeatedly called me a psycho, nuts, mental, as he has done countless times throughout our relationship when I've questioned his inappropriate, hurtful behaviour. But this whole business has served to remind me that I'm a strong, capable person who is now free and no victim. I have a voice and will use it by saying this to any woman out there who deep down feels worthless and trapped with a man that they love. 
Believe in yourself and your instincts. It's more than lying, it's controlling. Tell some very close friends who, if they're anything like my wonderful network, will swoop in and take care of the logistics and of you. It's important also to recognise that in these situations, those who hold power over you are insecure and fragile, and their need for control comes from a place of vulnerability. I think it certainly does in Sean's case. Despite everything, I hope he gets what he wants from this. I'm not sorry I took the cat, though. Love, Rebecca. Rebecca. Hello, and welcome to the hotbed. Hi. That was really weird. (laughs) I've never, ever said or, or really considered that out loud before. The way that you read it, you could have been on a pedestal. You could have actually been... You know, on a lectern. <laughs> yeah, it just it sounded really uh, rousing. I hadn't. Uh, it's funny you reading it out has actually made it come to life. I think. Oh, that's nice. I hope so. I mean, it's certainly in my own words, and it certainly all came from a place of that. I think mm. the cat bit is genius. <laughs> Cherry, who who is our sort of co-host at large, described it as the new mic drop. <laughs> I think there have been gifts made about it, <laughs> and they've been, um, yeah, they've been pretty empowering, actually. I think, well, it was, it was absolutely true. I'm not sorry to that cat. What I wanted to ask you was that there's a lot of narratives, like with women who are wronged or you mm-hmm. know they've discovered something about their partner. It's in a lot in popular culture where we see people wreaking revenge. So yeah, you know, I always I don't know for some reason I always think of kind of Joan Collins or <laughs> those old kind of eighties TV heroines and you know storming around, scratching the car, spending the credit cards, chopping things up. Yeah, D- did you have that instinct as well? Because that statement is very dignified. Um, <laughs> did I want to go? Did you yeah. go low? <laughs> well, yeah, because. <laughs> You can go high or go low, can't yeah. you? Yeah. I suppose that. Um, I suppose that what I really, really wanted from this statement was to take control of my own narrative, because were this to be played out privately, who knows how I would have how I would have reacted? And there's every chance that it would have been, you know, key scratching cars. Doesn't have a car, but you know, say you did, or you know, chopping up lots of couples suits or something, you know. But um. But it has played out publicly and it felt as though the narrative that was being created for me, completely understandably because it's a narrative that has proved really successful and popular like throughout history and especially with women, is that of a sort of sweetheart virginal girl next door wronged woman who this siren has come and stolen her man. And actually what I really felt was important for me personally to get into the world was that I'm not a weak person. I'm, I have a brain and I have uh, a sense of humour. And actually, that's much more of a rounded representation of a real person than the one that they wanted to give me or the one that it looked as though they, I was being given. And so that was my main objective, really, to do that. And also to prove that you can be all of those things and still be treated in that way. Just because I was treated in that way, it doesn't take away from the qualities that I have and that I had in the relationship and that I will continue to have. And I suppose with with the way society is at the minute and our culture, it just felt really, really important to me personally to let other people know that it was possible to retain your qualities regardless of what happens to you. Hmm. 
and that's and that's why I did it. And it wasn't it wasn't a vengeful thing, actually. You know, it, it really didn't come from a place of venge, vengeance or or any of those negative things. And in fact, as I was writing this statement, I was with a couple of mates. You know, we were just in this living room having a glass of Shiraz as I was drafting and redrafting. You know, twenty, thirty times. And the question that they always came back to is, why do you want to do it? And as it got redrafted and redrafted and redrafted, they the time at which they said, right, it's ready, was the only time that I said, it's for me and for nobody else. Because they just wanted to take care of me and to make sure that it came from a really honourable place. And it did. Mm. Mm. And I think... Does that make sense? Mm, it does. It does. Good. And actually, what is probably worth pointing out is, you know, you said it in your statement, but you have had a lot of offers to tell your side of the story. Yeah, I have, yeah. I, I mean, it, almost instantly mm. uh, the next day. And, you know, you, don't, you just don't expect to be getting business calls on a Sunday, let alone the, the amount that I did get. And people were really uh, interested to hear what I had to say. But what had happened was that the night before, my trust had been irrevocably broken with the most important relationship in my life. And so, you know, trust was a really, really big issue and it still is. And it's still something that I'm going to have to build on going forward with with all sorts of relationships. But um, But I knew that I had trust in my friends and in mm. myself. And it felt as though actually uh, the most important thing to do, regardless of finances and all of these things, was just to tell tell the truth from, from my own perspective and with no danger of anyone else fiddling with it. So when something as, you know, effectively life-changing mm-hmm. um, happens to someone, and where do you go from there? I mean, obviously you had to deal with media inquiries, paparazzi, but yeah. really, I, I mean, I suppose I compare it to losing someone suddenly, is that you lose someone suddenly and you have lots of admin to do, you have the grief and the feelings to work through, but you also have to get dressed and cook <laughs> dinner and suddenly and go back to work and all of this stuff and how did you start all of that how did you go about the next the, you know the first hour the first day the first week well <laughs> so well for the first you know first few days it wasn't really a matter of it wasn't really a matter of get up and go, you know, other than other than the the really burning need and desire to 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 write something and release it and to assert myself. Mm. Um, it was a, it was a very much a matter of uh, sitting in dressing gowns, living exclusively off uh, Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc and fags <laughs> <laughs> for a good long while, <laughs> uh, and so so that's what I did. Mm. The the thing that really gave me get up and go was the fact that on that Sunday it was you know the whole thing has been really really extraordinary and really really revelatory about who I am and about myself essentially my worst nightmare happened Mm. and it's something that I I really really thought if it happened I would feel a lot of things that actually I haven't felt Mm. what what actually happened was when I when I found out it was as though it was as though and I've likened it to when you look at a scanner and you see that line of white light that just goes along this this page Mm. it's like it started the top of my head and went all the way down to my toes and it was a real feeling of having my feelings validated I'm not insane. Mm. I'm not 
crazy. I don't have mental problems. I am right and I'm intuitive. And Mm. actually there was a lot of empowerment to be taken from that. Mm. So with regards to kind of getting on with stuff, it's been that sense of, that sense of sort of empowerment and, and having real confidence in myself that has really helped me. And I should add from every friend that has called me that has wanted to make contact with me. And then when I released that statement, all the support that I received, which I had, I mean, I could never have foreseen the amount of support, people wanting to share their really raw experiences with me, people wanting to make sure that I didn't feel alone. Mm. It's just it's just absolutely held me up and carried me forward. And, and so, so when considering things like leaving the house, I didn't leave the house for a really long time because I was really aware that I hadn't been seen in public for a really long time and, and all of the other parties involved were getting papped and, and mm. I knew that they were everywhere. They were outside my house, at my parents' house. They were outside my place of work. Um, so, but but with, within that, you know, there was actually a bit of, well, if I leave the house, then I better look, I better look bloody good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was the practicalities of that as well. Like, actually, I feel really empowered. So if I leave the house, yeah, I do want to have nice, clean hair and wear lipstick and feel really good about myself. And I wanted to reflect that, not in a kind of look at me, look at how great I'm doing way, but in a kind of I haven't fallen to pieces about this Mm. sense yeah and we must point out that Rebecca today is wearing (laughs) a really lovely leopard print dress that Anarchy and I are both very interested in Mm. (laughs) but actually for the most part I haven't felt that way I haven't I haven't felt um very very baggy sweatpants and and sort of ruddy face I haven't I haven't felt like that at all I've I've felt I've felt almost more me than I have done for quite a long time Mm. and what have you done that has helped since then the thing that's really helped is uh, accepting offers. Mm-hmm. So I accepted an offer of uh, a very fabulous comedian called Jade Adams runs a night uh, called A Musical, which I'd already been asked to do before all of this happened. Mm. And she told me that, you know, there was, they still really wanted me to do it. And I said, you know what, actually, I will. She said, look, you haven't been seen for three weeks. Just come back into the public as Liza Minnelli and come and sing a song from Cabaret and have a real laugh at this comedy night. And I thought, actually, yeah, I will do that. I will. And it was so frightening. And a couple of other people pulled out just because they thought the scenario was scary. Mm. So I felt really proud of myself for having done it. And that was great. I went to I went to France. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine has a boat there. And he invited me just to go and, and hang out there and go down some canals. And, and I did. And it, I was pretty... I was really frightened about it because... Um, because I didn't have any signal on my phone and I didn't know what was going on, you know, in terms of media or what was being said about me. But mm. actually it proved to be a really sort of cleansing experience because I wasn't able, I wasn't physically able to cloud my mind with that stuff. So that was really brilliant and I ate a lot of cheese. I'm, you know, I'm, I basically, you know, put the veganism on hold for a bit because um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I've been such a terrible vegan, you know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> but um, I've just been, um, I've just been, eating what's been presented to me. I've basically been doing stuff that before this happened, I wouldn't have done because I felt a responsibility for somebody else. So I've been embracing not having that and taking responsibility for myself instead. Mm. And that's been really, and it's been really, really fun. <laughs> mm. What I found interesting was you were talking about the support you'd got. And I was thinking, you know, if I've been in relationships in the past which haven't been ideal because you have that thing when you're in a relationship where 
you're, you can go a bit crazy in the head because you sort of think, am I just being paranoid mm-hmm. about this person or do I actually have a point? And I always found in the past that it was only when I was talking to female friends and I would recount something that had happened and they would validate it and they would say, that is bonkers, that is not right. <laughs> you can't be treated like that. And it was a massive relief then because I thought I'm not the person who's paranoid and naggy and I'm not overthinking things. Mm-hmm. This is actually valid. And I think you can't underestimate the power of female friends, can you? Because it sounds like that's not. been really pivotal for you. It's been completely pivotal and not just female friends, actually. I've got a lot of a lot of lad friends as well who have just been extraordinary and offering perspective that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And But, you know, the... The, the validation has been so unbelievably strengthening, you know, completely. And actually, on that Sunday, after all of this came out, speaking to people and being able to say things and feeling that I had nothing to lose by saying things that I had kept very private for a really long time was like, I mean... I don't want to use the term weight being lifted because it's really cliched and boring, but it's exactly what it was. It was it was as though suddenly there was a lightness in me that I had I had felt very heavy for a really, really, really long time. And I had been very careful and very selective about what I had shared with friends. There was no need for to be careful anymore. And it was it was extraordinary, actually. And yeah, and having and having their validation and having their support and their and even their oh, I can't believe that mm. like why didn't you say anything why and it's like because I had so much to lose you know I really felt like I did and I was I was super I was super adminy to almost a certain extent about who I told what and making sure that all oh, that person knows that but then so that person can't know that because that information has been has been shared that way and it will be it will seem really real if I tell that person that as well and and suddenly it was just completely free oh my God, I can just say whatever I like and, and it's fine. And and yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. It was really, it was really fantastic for me. Mm. It really was. I think one thing we hear about people when they are in unhappy relationships, whatever the cause of that unhappiness may be, is that as you get older and relationships become more serious, it gets very difficult to um, talk about the, any problems with friends because these are the same friends who are going to be see, seeing your partner at the weekend. Mm-hmm. We talk about it with sex quite a lot because we say that's when we stop talking about sex is when, you know, we're having barbecues with friends and their partners and it suddenly is a, like a bit awkward. Um, and it can be a bit of a problem because it means that you just don't tell people the full truth, which means you're not sharing and there's no comparison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about openness, but it's certainly what a lot of people have come and said to us is it's it's just tricky sometimes it's really tricky and what I started to do was I started to be very vague because in vagueness there's much more of a sense of connecting with other people if that makes sense mm. like I would say things like oh we argue a lot because in some way I was hoping that they would validate that by going everyone argues mm. you know everyone has these problems and I would go yeah, thanks. You're absolutely right. You know, and and but actually, I didn't. I never went into details because suddenly it feels like there's a disparity, and that disparity is, on some level, I knew would be really, really negative for me and to go home to. And I didn't want my, I didn't, I didn't want my, my certainty and my romanticism about my situation to be clouded 
mm. in any way. And so I just kept it at arm's length to a certain extent. You know, I stopped talking about I stopped talking about the details. I stopped talking about sex and and things like that. And and I just wouldn't be that open, which is why I love your podcast so much because actually it was it became really clear to me. Oh, people are really talking about these things and people are really discussing this stuff. And I'm not. And maybe there's maybe there's something wrong here. But you just when you're really, really in love with someone and when on some level you really, really believe, which I did, that nobody understood that person like me. Mm. You just, I, just, I just didn't want to believe it. I just didn't want to believe that all of other people's experiences were relevant to my own. Mm. But actually now I, I know that I did believe it mm. <laughs> and I, I just chose not to. I made, mm. the, I made the very, very distinct decision not to. And, you know, I'm an actress, so I part of my job is empathy Mm. And part of my job is listening to other people's stories and considering that story, but being able to disassociate it from my own story because I don't want to start bringing in characters that I'm playing or bringing in aspects of other narratives to my own. So I'm quite good at compartmentalising in that sense. But, um, yeah, I think the difference with what's happened with you is is it's been so public. Mm. And I think if a kiss had happened with one of our partners, let's say, we may not have found out about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, but we wouldn't have had paparazzi at our parents' house the next day, etc. Like, how has this experience been for you? And can you imagine it being different if it wasn't for Strictly? How has it been? I suppose, well, I don't know any different. Mm. And as such, it's been entirely manageable because you just deal with what's happening to you at any given moment it's only in these pockets of realization that you're sort of sitting in front of homes under the hammer and you go i'm on the front page of the sun (laughs) this is this is absolutely unlike anything i've ever experienced but in some ways it isn't because you know you deal with it you deal with the emotion as opposed to the situation is what i've found is it's been really helpful i'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna just say it. I'm glad that it happened this way. I am glad because otherwise I would never have known that I am not crazy. What I think is really important for me to just get out there in terms of my truth is that I'm not this sort of puritanical Mary Whitehouse character that thinks that snogging someone when they're drunk is is not okay under any circumstances. You know, I'm absolutely not perfect, and I'm also an actress, and I have experienced you know watching these sorts of things happen in those kind of professional environments myself as well Mm. you know as an observer I should say so I know it can happen I know these things happen but I hope that it's clear that it wasn't the I wasn't responding to that particular incident it was the uh it was the attempt by a person to make me question myself in order to get away with doing whatever they liked Mm. and that was what it was really important that I had validated so I am glad that it came out so yeah I know I'm embroiled in this um in this television program's history now I obviously thought it would be because I went on it and won it (laughs) so (laughs) next year that's, that's next year in my dreams that's how I thought I would go down in strictly history but you know, it's just it's just my circumstance, and I can't be I can't feel bitter about it. I can't feel angry or vengeful about it. It just happens, just how it is, mm. really. I think it's an interesting insight because I think you can be, um, you know, you can be a very empowered feminist woman, 
Um, but you can still find yourself in situations where you really doubt yourself and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, when I look back, I, I've had a couple of relationships where I've suspected infidelity and been proven right. Um, and I, I was amazed, like, afterwards. When I look back on it now, I think, how could I just keep making those excuses, which I did. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, say that they were out at a particular place or I'd say... Um, you know, they, it was perfectly justified that they hadn't rung me when they said they were going to ring me. Yeah. I mean, the difficulty back then actually is quite strange because there wasn't so much kind of monitoring on social media and stuff. So if someone didn't ring you, you kind of you kind of weren't in the know because you didn't see pictures of them somewhere else. It was kind of sometimes more difficult to find out. Mm-hmm. But it's just it, it always amazes me that you can have women who are so confident outwardly but actually are suffering with this kind of real self-doubt where you're questioning yourself and you're going, you know, I've had friends who've had to check mobile phone bills to see what's going on. Yeah. have had to check credit card bills to see what payments are going out. And um, it's not, it doesn't do a nice thing to you, does it? It basically turns you into a sneaky, subservient person. (laughs) Absolutely, it does. And and it's sort of... um... It's it's really been amazing, by the way, having really, really strong, empowered women, not just in the public eye, but also in my personal life, coming forward and sharing their experience like you just did. So every time I hear that, I think, good God, like we're just this, we're just at the, so I sort of felt, if this doesn't sound too Chekhovian, you know, you're at the mercy of love, really. And you're at the mercy of of your feelings for this person. And so what have you got, what's your choice? Your choice is to either entrust this person because you love them so much and because you really believe in them or to, or to give up yourself, you know, to a certain extent. And I think that what gradually happened was that I did, I lost the trust. So I started giving up myself and started questioning myself and taking bits out of who I was. And that was really difficult because suddenly you're sort of living this this life split in half where you go out with your mates and you know you dressed up in your leopard print and you know your mac lipstick and you're having a great time and everyone thinks you're really fun and you're the life and and then you're at home waiting for someone to come home and Mm. you know and you're tired and you're living with these kind of these really really worried and anxious thoughts and so you're sort of split in half and then you kind of end up not really knowing who you are which I suppose is something that I've really taken from this happening because now I feel like I remember who I am. It won't happen to you again, hopefully. I mean, you can't control other people and change yeah. them, but ultimately you'll become better at just knowing that you're not bonkers in suspecting stuff yeah. because it is actually happening. Yeah, my I think my BS radar is um, alive and kicking. And actually, I'm... I, I, I like to think that as a result of what's happened, and you know, it's happened in such dramatic fashion, I like to think that any any signs of that even remotely happening again, and I'll know within myself that I have the, I have the power to just walk away, mm. which I have done. Yeah, and and I will do again. <laughs> and now is like a new chapter of your yeah. life. What is what what's next for you? Um. Well, well actually, it's a. Uh, it's a case of rebuilding. I mean, I've, I'm writing a lot of stuff, which I always have done anyway. But I'm, I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying this sort of this clarity that I've had, and I'm I'm trying to use it in the most 
productive and artistic way possible, which is which is absolutely brilliant for me. I think that I think what's what has also come out of this is that a community exists that I had absolutely no awareness of because I have been shy to be a part of it. And that's this community of these strong, empowered, particularly women, I will say, you know, there are men who are part of that as well, but this really open sector who really, really help each other and really support each other and really build each other. And it's just something that I have never really felt that I could completely be a part of because I was kind of hiding an aspect of myself that I was slightly ashamed of, which is what we've just talked about, which is I am empowered, I think, but also I think I'm being treated in not a very nice way or allowing myself. I should say that as well. You know, there's there's a sort of blame, judge and attack element of all of this. But I also enabled that to a certain extent. But now I don't have any of those things that are attached to me. And so I can really embrace being a part of that community. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to doing and, and to exploring how I might do that. And it's I guess it starts with talking to you guys and mm. and. Yeah, just just thinking how I can how I can keep being an active part of that. Do you think you can help other people? And if someone's listening to this who has gone through a similar experience, maybe not with the strictly come dancing involvement, but you know, <laughs> it does happen. People do cheat. People yeah. then do find out, and lives are then separated and made difficult. Um, what advice do you have for people who may be listening to this with some uh, degree of recognition? Well, I should say that despite all the Strictly stuff, despite all of the, the media and paparazzi stuff, you know, at the, at the end of the day, in, in this huge fog, there are just two people in the middle of it. And there have been moments where I've been painfully aware of that, that actually this is just something that's about the two of us. Um, so from that point of view, what I would say is, the mistakes that I made, I would never encourage anyone to do to, to make those mistakes, which are if you feel it, if you feel it's happening, it might be and it might be very, very real. You should talk to your friends. You should talk to anyone who's around you, people who are on your wavelength and your level who can actually call you out for perhaps taking things too. I want to say too seriously, but that actually doesn't seem right. But I think you know what I mean. Mm. Or they can say this isn't healthy and this isn't okay you should you know embrace subjects like you guys talk about on the hotbed consider consider a bit more deeply you know what's actually how you're feeling you know I, I've, I've seen a therapist for quite a long time now you know a, a couple of years and and she said something to me which was a real humdinger <laughs> which was a relationship that enhance your life mm. and it's something that I always considered even when I was in these moments knowing full well that this wasn't enhancing my life I never forgot it and actually that's something that I wish that I had been more active about mm -hmm. and that's something that I would I would ask people to to, to really think about mm. that's really useful I just wanted to ask as well about the hotbed so it's really wonderful to meet you um, and I understand why you are reframing what's now happening to you but mm -hmm. is there a reason why you wanted to come and talk to us yeah there is because actually what I'm less interested in talking about are the details and specifics of what happened in my relationship I'm, I'm, I'm just not 
I'm just not that interested in anyone really knowing that. It's mm. not very, you know, so much of this has become public that actually some things are secret and they are private. I really love the hotbed because it considers things in the context of a much wider picture. And that's why I really, really wanted to talk about this with you guys. And also, you know, the subjects you talk about and the, the really cool guests that you have on, you know, and I want, I want to be part of that. <laughs> and I mean, I said to you as well, there was, there's, there's a really... Um, there's a route that I could go down, which is a sort of Martin Bashir interviews Princess Diana route and where I sit there looking, you know, very sad and mm-hmm. doe-eyed and, and, you know, gradually I just drop these truth bombs and mm. actually that's really not who I am and this sort of honours the statement that I made in a way which is going, actually, this is me. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Mm. Well, we're really pleased to have you. We're going to have a glass of wine together, I'm oh. sure. <laughs> At many points, we want to stay in touch because... There's so many conversations that are difficult to have. Rebecca, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to talk about or anything that you want to say? Um, not really, I don't think. I suppose that actually... I suppose actually it's all, it's all really been covered. I'm just really, really grateful to have had the opportunity to speak about it and to talk about it in a way that felt felt true to myself. Please note that Sean Walsh said during Strictly It Takes Two that he was sorry and he referred to kissing his dance partner as a one-off mistake. He also said, I am not the person I am being portrayed as. She is a hotbed woman. W-O-M-A-N. And everyone who identifies as so. She's so cool, I want to be her friend, but I think I'm too old. No. Well, I'll stop saying that come, because come. Come, come. I'm intergenerational feminist. She is obviously really upset about what has happened, and as you would be at the end of any relationship, let alone one that has ended so publicly and in such a horrible way. And yet, I think, I mean, she's really optimistic and she's trying to see... The light at the end of the tunnel and the silver lining and I don't know, any other cliches? Whenever I think about these situations, I always think about all the songs that have been written about these scenarios. Mm. Um, you know, like, I'm a survivor, yeah. I won't give up, or uh, <laughs> what is the other one? R-E-S-B-C-T, oh all of this is like, oh, and then... Um, what, Anarchy, you've be... got a really lovely singing voice and yet <laughs> well, you don't ever career. use it. <laughs> I did have a pop career back in the uh, in the noughties, 90s. I she did, remember she was in was. a trance, Anarchy was in a trance duo. I was in a trance band. Um, yeah, I just think there's so, actually there's so many of those female empowering anthems. You could argue probably more than the male ones. So, you know, I'm just thinking about all those ones that get the hen weekenders on the dance floor. Yeah, but like, I, I will survive as well. And I hate all that music. And I would really struggle, if I was in a similar situation, to find my motivational music because I just can't bear any of those songs. Well, she is going to go on to really brilliant things. And I think she's been really touched by the new friendships that she's made and people that have reached out to her and shown her kindness. And that's kind of the funny thing, isn't it? Because when you're in the relationship, even if it's not a great relationship people won't really sort of wade in and help you and tell you about your self-worth. But the moment you end one, that's when I think, hopefully, people will. She does sound like she's got a lot of good friends. Um, And I think, yeah, it's that thing, isn't it, where when you're with somebody or you're friends with somebody, you've got to be quite cautious in terms of the way that you talk about that relationship. So I've been in trouble where I've said things like, 
probably quite bad things about somebody's partner and then they've really lost it with me you know my friend has because she's been like actually you know you're being really critical and he's not like that and that's not fair and you're in a bit of a kind of rock and a hard place because mm-hmm. you know you want to give advice but ultimately you don't want to make it sound as if you really don't like the partner even if that's the kind of reality oh I've waded in many many times definitely I need to remind myself life is not black and white relationships have ups and downs you need to be there and be quite non-judgy and try and help the couple rather than just be really partisan anyway speaking of advice I spoke to Dr Karen Gurney uh, our resident psychosexologist she was amazingly helpful on the topic of rebuilding trust both if you have stayed with someone after they have played away from home and if you have split up with them and you are looking to trust other people so let's hear from her now dr karen gurney hi lisa i know this is a absolute a minefield i know it is and there are no easy fixes to getting over someone cheating on you um but if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. What would be the initial um, steps that someone can take if they have had their trust broken? How do you rebuild the trust again if you have left one relationship because of it and you want to move on with your life Mm, okay so you're moving forward to a new relationship after having your trust having having the trust break broke down the last one is that right yes yeah okay as you say it is quite tricky because it can be different for everybody um and trust is something that is inherently connected to our beliefs about monogamy 
our beliefs about um, gender, our beliefs about relationships. And, and sometimes it's those things that it can be useful for us to kind of sit back and reflect on um, as part of moving forward. But I think if it's about moving forward into a new relationship, um, it's worth acknowledging that you've been through something that means that you might be a bit more cautious to trust the next mm-hmm. time round. And it's not necessarily a, a bad thing to have that caution going into new relationships. I guess one of the things that I would recommend is that people look for trust in other areas before they think about trust related to sex or trust related to fidelity. So you can take your time getting to know somebody. You can get a sense of the type of person that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, can you trust them with other small things that you ask them to do? Mm-hmm. Can you um, listen to them talk about people they know and get a sense of what their beliefs are mm. about fidelity, about monogamy, if that's the direction the two of you are going, of course. Mm. Um, can you take your time building confidence that you can observe that they hold you in mind Mm -hmm. and that they have your best interests at heart before you kind of go, you know, two feet into a new relationship. And I think often there are markers that we can kind of look out for about how people treat others, about how honest people are. About other things. About other things, Mm. about um, how they respond to hearing about friends' stories, about things that people are doing that do give us a bit of a warning, sometimes mm. not always. Mm. And and it can be helpful to kind of drip, drip feed, I guess, do a kind of litmus test of trust very slowly as you go into a relationship before you kind of go into it wholeheartedly. Such good advice. It's actually quite simple from mm. that point of view as a sort of starter. I'm sure there's bigger things to untangle, but yes. in terms of working out whether someone can be trusted or not, that's very good advice, good practical easy step what about if someone has cheated on you and you decide to stay together how do you advise couples in that situation Mm. and again I know it's going to be different according to the situation but Mm -hmm. um, are there any sort of starting points for a couple that want to get you know rebuild their trust with each other yes so I see quite a few couples who are rebuilding their relationships after infidelity Um, and it's something that it's a real a real gentle process Um, I guess there are a few key aspects to it. One of them is that it's really important that what has happened is talked about in a way that both people get to express how they feel about it and that those feelings are heard. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, if I was working with a heterosexual couple where um, the man had had sex outside of the relationship, it might be the case that their female partner um, was talking Um, repeatedly about how hurt she felt and of course she does feel hurt Mm. Um, part of the temptation for the male partner can be to try and move them away from that hurt Mm -hmm. and say okay but it's happened now and Mm. let's look forward and in some ways that is a good strategy at some point but perhaps not the right strategy straight away so there is an element of needing to sit with that Mm. and listen to how hurt somebody is that's Mm -hmm. really important for both people to move on I think after that the tricky bit comes where the the couple needs to find a new way to build a story of what's happened in their relationship. We have very strong cultural narratives about infidelity and people that cheat, in inverted commas. Mm. And the truth is that, yes, there are some people who... Um, who say they're in monogamous relationships but have lots of sex outside and, and do it kind of without worrying about it too much. Those people do exist. But actually, there is a much larger proportion of people 
which who um, you know are, are vulnerable to having sex outside the relationship, not because they're a bad person, but mm-hmm. just because it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's more the norm, actually. Mm. But as a society, we have a, a kind of very strong idea that people that cheat are bad people. Mm-hmm. And people who um, are the kind of the, the survivors of that, the other person in the relationship has has been wronged in a way that can never be put right. And sometimes it's about moving away from that discourse a bit mm. and thinking about what the couple story is. Because inevitably, in lots of relationships, there is something that left them vulnerable as a couple mm. to one person looking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's not to mean that one individual per- person was to blame, mm. but that something was forgotten about or put aside mm. and that that made the relationship vulnerable. And that's a kind of new story that the couple might need to move towards to be able to get through it. It's often a bit of a harder process, actually, because it requires moving away from you did wrong and I'm hurt by it, which is important at the beginning, but to a position of we let this bit slip Mm -hmm. and as a result this happened Mm -hmm. and now we're not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. I would say it's probably something that might be helped by some relationship or sex therapy to be honest mm-hmm. but it, it is something that is very possible to do and I've worked with lots of couples who have a better relationship after infidelity than they ever had before mm-hmm. so infidelity is, is not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. for a relationship sometimes it's a catalyst to a better relationship although it doesn't feel like that at the time yeah it can reinvigorate things I suppose mm-hmm. and make people realize where they were going wrong and where they can go right. And actually, it's really lovely to reframe things in this way and to think it's not necessarily the end of a relationship. It can be the beginning of something new. Mm, it really can. And I've certainly worked with couples that have had the best sex they've ever had after something like this or better communication than they've ever had before. So I think it's good to see the opportunity in it. But there is a bit of a process here with adjusting to finding out something, feeling the hurt, having the hurt acknowledged, and then feeling ready as a couple to move forward with a different story. And at some point, that different story has to take priority. Mm-hmm. That you, you, It's not helpful for either person if the hurt story and the being wronged story continues yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, and it, it is possible. It's a difficult place to be. And I think it's also partly um, important for us to think about the fact that um, in any relationship, fidelity isn't guaranteed. And I think sometimes we we kind of assume that it will be, and that's mm-hmm. part of the contract we make to each other, either formally through something like marriage or informally mm-hmm. by being in long-term monogamy. But it's quite helpful to think about fidelity something as a, a, a something that an ongoing process, mm-hmm. and that for people to to um, to have fidelity in relationships, they need to feel as though that relationship is serving their needs. Mm. So I think sometimes that's why infidelity is so hard mm-hmm. because we just assume it being something that will be there forever. That it's a given. It's a given, mm. yeah, and it's it's not really. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've got anything to say about this, but I was going to ask about friends who, um, who have been cheated on. Mm-hmm. Not only can, do they find it hard to get over the hurt of being cheated on, but mm-hmm. they also feel stupid. They feel really mugged off. And they feel annoyed with themselves for being cheated on because they think, how could I not have suspected this earlier? Um, How could I let this happen? Um, How can someone rebuild a little bit of trust and self-confidence in themselves again? Mm. I actually think that connects back to the point we were just saying about assuming fidelity. I think you also can't assume that you're a mind reader. Mm. Um, We 
we can only go on what our partners tell us and mm-hmm. what we see. Um, I, I think often that is something that people go through. They retrospectively look through everything and say, now I know it, I can see that that happened and that happened and of course I should have known. But the reality is that you're not looking for it, mm-hmm. so you don't see it. And you shouldn't beat yourself up about that because you can't know what's going on in the inner workings of someone else's mind. Mm-hmm. You can only go on what they do. And I think it's a it's a really unfortunate consequence of infidelity that it leaves people feeling as though they've they've missed something, they've mm-hmm. done wrong, they've they've somehow not n- not noticed things that they should have done. I'm, I'm I think yeah, I guess that would be my thoughts on that it's true and also it's it's a good way to go through life to take things in good faith when people tell you it's a good thing to be trusting of other people um to a certain extent and so it's unfortunate when people and it's not just women obviously um have that sense of I was so stupid yeah and it will shake your trust for a while and it might mean that if you move into a new relationship you feel more cautious about trust as we were saying earlier Mm. than you did before and that's not necessarily a bad thing either Mm. because um, it's just providing you with an opportunity to kind of double check double check things but inevitably it will settle down again as well I guess that's the thing to remember is that when things happen to us that are unexpected, there tends to be a period of time where it's all we can think about and mm. it defines everything mm. about how we see ourselves in relationships. And then it tends to fade again and we start to feel um, that trust rebuilding. And I guess as a psychologist, I would say that um, you know how we relate to trust is very much something that we, um, we may have learned quite early on. Mm-hmm. And it may be shaken in a, in a small way or in a large way by something that happens like infidelity. But actually, if you're a trusting person and you've had trusting relationships for most of your formative years, you will get back to trusting people again. Light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Thank you very much, Dr. Karen. It's tough, but if it has happened to you, you can get through it. Use those wise words of Dr. Karen. Mm. Use the wise words of Gloria Gaynor. And all those other big divas that wrote those anthems. I'm funny because I'm probably... I think when I did my last big breakup, I listened a lot to Radiohead. Mm. So I'm probably less of... And actually, I'd say that if you're in the midst of a big breakup, Radiohead can be a tricky one. Tricky one can take you a little bit into a dark place when actually I probably could have benefited from a bit of, I don't know, Arcade Fire or something a bit more uplifting. Are they mm. more depressing? Yeah, they're also depressing. Are they? Yeah. I'm trying to think of someone else who's Michael uplifting. Hutchins. A bit excess. of excess. Yeah, it's funny because there is a period when a relationship finishes, where a mourning period, and I sort of feel like you kind of need to do that mourning mm. and you will do some more later on. So actually Radiohead for me was almost like going into a mourning sauna. So I got in there, I sweated quite a lot and cried, got all of the mourning and grief out and emerged triumphant. Like a phoenix. Like a phoenix. Uh, So homework this week is to boycott the Strictly final. (laughs) No, it's not. I don't think I can do that. I know, you love a bit of Strictly. I love a bit of Strictly. No, what's the homework this week? I think it's to support your friends. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. Whatever they're going through support them and also I don't know if we've ever done this one before because I've got pregnancy amnesia but I would have thought if you haven't spoken to a really good friend in ages and you've been doing that sort of text tennis where you basically go we must meet up for a coffee or Mm. I really miss you or Mm. kiss 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 or we haven't been in touch for ages 
why don't you try and actually pick up the phone and call them? Or what I did last week, which was quite radical, is I sent a message to a friend I hadn't seen in ages and I said, let's meet on Saturday. Because mm. we've been doing this whole kind of, let's do it in two weeks. What about next week? Oh, I can't do next week. And that had gone on for about eight months. Yeah. And so we actually, I did a very quick, like, let's just meet up. And we arranged a place and we saw each other. And it was so edifying just to spend time together. And it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You actually wrote a really interesting piece for Selfish Mother, which we'll link to if we can in the show notes, because it was mm. an Instagram article. I think mm. we can link to it. Mm. Um, where you talk about virtue signalling and people who join in campaigns and things and post something on Instagram about how they're supporting this, that and the other. And I'm obviously a big fan of proper activism, but your kind of piece was actually slagging off the idea of someone posting about how, um, you know, they're raising awareness for X, Y, Z cause and not actually helping someone in their life who mm. may be going through a similar thing. So is that right? It is. Well, that up? It is. It was only because it's, it's because um, if you get asked to do kind of hashtag campaigns. Yeah. And I think sometimes if there's something that doesn't touch you in your life, but also there's a danger. And I think we're all guilty of this because it's so easy to upload a post and use share a hashtag but it could be quite often in your own personal circle that someone's going through quite a lot of bullshit and that's actually takes more effort to yeah. try and get involved in that or you know to you know I you know stop and talk to somebody if they're looking overwhelmed I mean new mums are always a good case in point make a new mum a cup of tea yeah make a new mum or suggest a coffee or just go over and chat to her um, but I'd rather sometimes people did that and work on their local kind of network of spreading good. Yeah. Um, rather than sometimes doing these campaigns that aren't meaningful to them. Mm. And all they require is typing a little hashtag and then taking a selfie with a, I don't know, a donut on the end of your nose or something. Yeah. Raising awareness for donut. Donut addiction. Where is ever. Hashtag donut addiction. It's been lovely. We've been the Hotbed Collective. Follow us. Lovely. Follow us on Instagram at the Hotbed Collective. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.